Love is patient. Love is kind. And sometimes, love is a lie. In this case, love was clearly just a guise for control. And when that control didn't work, this criminal vowed to take control in the most extreme way. By killing a young woman and the people closest to her. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. This is part two of the episodes covering Daniel Slater's plot to have his ex-girlfriend and her family wiped out, so if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go check out that first episode and come back. When we last left off, police were actively conspiring with Daniel Slater to kill his ex-girlfriend, Brianna Kane. At least, Slater was conspiring, and I have to assume that police were just sitting there thinking that this was going to be the easiest case of their lives. Pro tip, if you're trying to get someone to murder your ex and their family, try to avoid speaking about it openly, and maybe be a little wary when you suddenly have a very willing participant asking for a bunch of details. I think that we can say a lot of awful things about Slater, but there really is no denying that this guy was an absolute idiot. Police were just getting more and more information from him the longer that they let everything go on, confirming everything that the witnesses said about Slater's intentions, and more. And then the story just goes from wild to wild. Because apparently the FBI does not play around in this kind of circumstance. For someone who has never been stalked by a crazed ex before, being informed by police about an individual's intentions to harm you can be a really big pill to swallow. And I can't imagine what it must have been like for the FBI to sit down Brianna and her family and tell them about Slater's attempt to find a killer. We obviously have no way of knowing how this would have turned out if police hadn't taken the threat seriously. If nothing happened to Slabaugh, the would-be killer that showed up dead, there is a very real chance that Slater might have convinced her or someone else to go through with these crimes. These people could have very realistically ended up dead because of this man. The good thing about crazed exes is that when they're not very smart, they can leave a seriously huge paper trail. And Brianna had that paper trail. She had plenty of information regarding Slater stalking her, following her around, and just being crazy and terrible. She also saw other people following her around. And before you get the idea that she could have just handled this herself before it ever got to this point, I really would like to raise the point that stalking charges and getting police to do something in this kind of instance before the individual commits physical harm is very difficult to do. But the FBI was officially tangled up in this murder plot, and they sat the family down to get them involved. The FBI wasn't planning to just take what they had, swoop in, and scoop Slater up. They wanted the full case against him. They wanted to see what he was capable of. And that meant faking a few deaths. 
Brianna's sister and brother-in-law worked with police to create staged murder photos. These photos were given to the FBI informant, who then went on to share these photos with Slater. This was the proof that would convince him to go all in, and literally the second he found out that these two were dead, he was ready for this fake killer to take on more work. The only issue is that paying an assassin costs money. It's a business, right? And Slater wasn't exactly rolling in money. He was looking for more of a financial agreement to make it all happen. You might be wondering if this is standard when it comes to hiring assassins, and I can't be sure. But I have to assume that it's a lot easier to do when you have a lot more money. Fortunately for Slater, for no reason that we can understand, this killer was very enthusiastic about working with him, so he accepted $400 and the promise of future payments. Slater promised drugs, and I read an article that said he actually tried to or possibly succeeded in leading this FBI informant to a local drug dealer by asking the informant to go pick up the drugs themselves. He said to pick up a bunch of cocaine, sell it, and then just give him a couple grand back off the top for the sale. The remaining drug money would be the killer's payment. I will say that there's certainly a lesson here for drug dealers, because there is a very real possibility that someone else might end up in prison just for having the wrong customer. Obviously, the real crime here is dealing drugs, but imagine being caught under those circumstances, right? I feel like you'd probably be pretty mad about it. In the end, Slater would be charged with quite a few crimes. Primarily, he was charged for six different things, but the big heavy hitters were attempting to hire an assassin and drug distribution. His potential sentencing could have had him in prison for up to 90 years. And the potential was there. Obviously, there is nothing funny about someone trying to have their ex killed, but I will admit that I laughed when I read one of the statements given by Slater's lawyer. He said that there was an overwhelming amount of evidence against Slater. And just... Imagine having to take on that case, right? This lawyer was probably just looking at all the evidence and thinking about the sheer incompetency that it took to put it all together in a pretty package like that. But regardless, it shouldn't come as a surprise that Slater pled guilty. Honestly... I personally would not be surprised if he tried to contest it initially, and I would bet money that when they arrested him, he tried to claim that the informant was lying. Though he faced almost 90 years in prison, you will be shocked to learn that after taking a plea, he was sentenced to only 10 years. If this shocks you, I'm going to assume that you don't know a lot about how the justice system treats cases involving domestic violence, because a lot of people do some really awful stuff and spend only a few years in prison for it. 
This is another reason why if someone is stalking you, hassling you, or harming you, it's very important to get your paperwork in order. Save everything that you have. Even if it can't be used right now, it might be able to be used later. I'm pretty sure that we can all agree that the idea that he will be out in a decade is horrifying. You know, you think about the, are they a risk kind of train of thought with things. And you might think that he would be less of a threat because he'll be released in his 60s, but I don't know if that's actually true. He obviously had no intention of doing the dirty work himself in this case, and I can't imagine that he would plan to down the line, right? I just hope that Brianna is informed of when he will be released so she and her family can stay safe because obviously this man is sick. And that brings us back to the victim in this case. And I will be honest, this is a tricky circumstance to navigate. Though Slater has been sentenced to 10 years, there is a very real chance that he won't get out in that time. He is currently being investigated for his role in Brianne Slabeau's death. She died from a drug overdose, but she was found in the Everglades, and her family doesn't believe that her death was a traditional overdose, right? They don't think that she went out and did drugs in the Everglades for whatever reason. They think that she was killed. I'm not sure if they think that she was killed for refusing to help or if there is some chance that she overdosed after being given way too many drugs and then Slater drove her out there to dispose of the evidence. Either way, the details just don't add up, right? It, it doesn't seem like she ended up out there under normal circumstances. This is a hard topic to address because when you read it from the criminal and news side, you see a woman who was addicted to drugs and at least entertaining the idea of killing or kidnapping four people. We know this woman had some very severe mental health struggles. Bipolar disorder is the kind of condition that really sets you up for addiction, and it really does seem like drugs played a pretty key role in her involvement in all of this. Mental health is a complicated topic that leads people to do things that they wouldn't normally do, and I do believe that. But I also know that plenty of people suffer from complicated mental health problems and don't consider killing several people. At some point, we have to admit that while mental health can play a role in very complicated problems, we can't always allow it to be an excuse. I'm very sorry for her family in this case. Losing a loved one is never easy, and the circumstances are awful. While we can't say what would have happened otherwise, I will say that I'm just grateful that these four other people didn't end up dead too. So, this concludes our episodes involving two Brianns and a Brianna. If you would like to discuss how few fellow Brianns I've met in my life, the best app to organize documentation from toxic exes, or the need for better mental health services, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.